the Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Tuesday morning, the 13th of November, with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. The negotiations in Brexit are now in the end game, according to the British Prime Minister. Theresa May said both sides want to reach an agreement, but what we are negotiating is immensely difficult. She said, I do not shy away from that. Theresa May was speaking at the Lord Mayor's banquet at the Mansion House in London last night and went on to say, over Overwhelmingly, the British people want us to get on with delivering Brexit and I am determined to deliver for them. I want them to know that I will not compromise on what people voted for in the referendum. This will not be an agreement at any cost. Any deal must ensure we take back control of our laws, borders and money. It must secure the ability to strike new trade deals around the world and it must also be a deal that protects jobs, our security and our precious union. Declan Brannock is a TD for Louth and Fianna Fáil's junior spokesperson on North-South Bodies and Cross-Border Cooperation. He joins us now. And Declan, if as it seems this morning that ministers will not be asked at the British Cabinet meeting today to sign off on a deal, does that mean there will be no deal? Well, uh, as you summed up, we're getting to an end game. Uh, Michael, my personal opinion is the optimist in me would say that today or tomorrow is D-Day basically decision day uh, or if you're a pessimist uh, uh, it's clearly the end day uh, or indeed exit day uh, we've got to a stage that we need a clear outline of what the Brexit deal is uh, what the EU are offering and what uh, Britain uh, are obviously clearly not prepared to accept uh, everybody knows in, in, in any type of struggle whether it's a game of football or a race it's always the last bit that's the hardest and while I see it has been immensely difficult to, to bridge this gap I think if there's not a clear uh, outline by this Wednesday it's the last chance to learn for Theresa May's cabinet uh, in my view to sign off on a deal And just to explain that to us if you would why is it at the end game now given well, uh, that uh, Britain is not uh, expected to leave the European Union until the 31st of March Well in, in order firstly to to meet at the deadline of November the 13th for what was the summit that is planned uh, obviously uh, in relation to, the, to, to debating that deal uh, now it's possible that according to the experts that you, this date could slip to December, mm. but that the road is running out, you know, uh, there's a, there's an, I understand another pencil date in for uh, a special summer of the 4th and 5th of the 13th can't happen, and that would obviously has to, and the key issue here is to give those that are charged with, with the lawmaking and ensuring that the legal entity of, of this particular deal, uh, you know, has to be, in my view, probably for Theresa May got through Parliament mm. uh, by Christmas. But, you know, as time slips on, Michael, we all know, uh, even uh, from yesterday, uh, the pound has fallen by 1%. Uh, and it, it's my view, as time goes on, that mar- the markets will put the pressure on the politicians uh, if a, a deal is in any way dragged out. Uh, and I think, uh, the, 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 particularly the British markets, could become very unstable. And that could concentrate people's minds uh, to avoid more economic damage because, look, there's no winners in any of this. I mean, both mm. the Republic and the North of Ireland is going to suffer. We, all, we know the old adage that uh, 
if, if Britain uh, sneezes, uh, Ireland catches cold. And a uh, no-deal uh, scenario is not contemplatable by me or indeed by my party. Uh, look, at the, the British uh, system, and far be it from me to criticise them, they're in absolute disarray. The, the Labour Party are at odds with one another within their, their, themselves. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn is pushing for legal advice on the backstop uh, because he's afraid that it could trap the UK in an EU customs and trade uh, deal forever. While <laughs> the shadow Brexit secretary, Keith Starmer, is saying that Brexit can be stopped. And then Corbyn then turns around and says it can't. So to, for me, there's no political leadership in the UK, either in the government, the in the Parliament and the parties, and indeed the people are divided, uh, and it's a pure mess. We've we've Joe Johnson, uh, Boris's mm-hmm. brother, uh, saying, uh, you know, that the whole thing is a mistake. We've Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, who we respected politicians of the past, want uh, you know another referendum. So uh, Theresa May, as you indicated at the top of the program, uh, she's a lady that appears from what she said last night in her speech that she's not for turning and we have that issue before with people who become entrenched in a position uh, but you know when you hear people like her saying that she expects to start a, a, an Asian Pacific deal uh, next spring uh, you know to me that's pure optimism Optimism. I think that she's, she'll be heading for the door rather than uh, an Asian Brexit deal an, an Asian uh, customs deal but the problem here is uh, that if there's not cabinet approval for a deal by Wednesday or maybe Thursday of this week, uh, it can't be signed off on at European level on the 25th of this month. Uh, if that deadline passes by, uh, whilst uh, this may not be exactly the end game, it remains very close to the end game because uh, there is a, another scheduled meeting. Uh, and unless the March date is pushed out, uh, then there will have to be some agreement for this to legally take place in time uh, for the 1st of April for Britain not to be a member of the European Union or to be making its way out of the Union. Uh, I fully concur with you, Michael. And I, mean, I think it's important to, to indicate... Uh, Simon Coveney has clearly said that there's 27 strong are solid with solidarity behind uh, Ireland and the insurance backstop. So, look, Theresa May is walking a tightrope with the revolt in her party, not to mention what's going on in the DUP. Mm. But, you know, if I could, in my opinion, for your listeners, uh, indicate... You know the scenario that I see uh, uh, happening. Uh, you indicated the possibility of an extension of the deadline. That's certainly one area uh, in terms of, of, of uh, uh, the, the, the British requesting uh, an extension of the deadline, and that uh, has to be agreed uh, by all of the EU 27. Um, the other scenario, as I see it, is, is uh, to take the offer that uh, is clearly been strongly negotiated by EU. They're going to have to debate it in the British Parliament. They're mm. either voted for the deal or vote down the deal. If they vote down the deal, you're going to have a crash out, which nobody wants on March the 29th. Uh, and in my view, more than likely, you'll either have a, an election or you post haste uh, give the people of, of Britain that second chance to have a second referendum. Mm. I would be loath to interfere in 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 in, in the politics of Britain, but uh, I have a distinct uh, belief. And uh, I think some of the programmes last night clearly show that, uh, you know, there's an indication that the people uh, were sold a pup. Uh, they believe that they didn't get the right information. And ultimately, they should be given uh, uh, an opportunity either to vote on the deal 
and equally to vote on whether uh, a referendum to 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 stay uh, me been the, mm. the huge issues at the minute just again for your listeners that seem to be causing major difficulty is like and I could foresee these happening a long, long time ago. We can talk about all the trade deals and movements of trucks and yep. you know, trying to solve yep. the border. The reality is that uh, both England and the north of Ireland are in the same airspace as ourselves. Uh, up above us is the air where you have environmental issues. Down below is, is the fishing issues around our seas, uh, contamination of our water, air pollution, uh, you know, the labour and state uh, uh, rules. So, you know... People and apart from the border, they appear to be the sticking points uh, on fishing, uh, waters, access uh, and things like uh, state aid or taxation, uh, labour conditions uh, and these uh, type of things. Uh, but you mentioned uh, the programmes last night and very clear from the poll for RTE and the BBC, the people on this island don't want a hard border. Uh, 61% of people in Northern Ireland saying uh, don't go for a Brexit with a hard border and 83% in the Republic. Yeah, look, I mean, again, I didn't mention and deliberately didn't mention the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, look, at peace and prosperity on on these islands is what I see as paramount. And I de- indeed, I, I believe Theresa May realised that, and certainly the EU, because of the, the excellent work, and I've said this before, I have to commend the government mm. in terms of how, how they've dealt with this in, in getting uh, the, the solidarity of the EU and understanding uh, the need uh, for, 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 for uh, peace on the island. We, we can't carry on as we are. Uh, you, know, you can't... I thought it was very interesting um, you know, that... The debate last night, and I watched the programme, mm. uh, you know, people asking who will harden the border. You know, ultimately, the words that were used at the outset of this uh, by Barnier about a bespoke solution being needed is still the same as it was when he spoke about that. And it's a, a very polarised debate. Uh, I think uh, people are very firm in their opinion. Uh, and if we face into this doomsday scenario, it, it seems as though the common travel area may uh, be in question, at least according to research which is reported on, on the front page of the Irish Times today. Yeah, I haven't had time to read it, but there's absolutely no doubt. Uh, and uh, the the issue of travel and residency uh, may require uh, a new Anglo-Irish agreement uh, in order to sort the problem of both travel and residency. But you know, people people say that uh, those of us who are remainers and want to see the two islands remain in the customs human, u- union and common market that we are scaremongering. The reality is that we're not. There's no deal done on the, the issue of airspace, uh, the issue of travel and flights. And in, in my humble opinion, the issue of uh, a crash out it could not be contemplated by either Britain or, or the EU. So ultimately, uh, you know, who's going to blink first? I felt that there was a danger of Leo Radcar was going to blink last week when he talked about being prepared to, to, to have a, a chat around the issue of the backstop. That backstop, better known as the insurance policy, makes sure that the island of Ireland and indeed uh, the, the, the non-existence of any form mm. of border... Do you think Fianna Fáil was too quick to rush to judgment uh, in concluding uh, that the Taoiseach meant something that he hadn't even said? Well, uh, there's many as a slip between the cup and the lip, and how you interpret what he said uh, will remain to be seen. I, I, I feared that, that it give uh, a certain blinking that uh, may, 
could uh, give the British, uh, if you like, a chink of late well, he, to try he, and pray he, the door for the open. Sa- he, what, what he said was he was willing to review the backstop, uh, but uh, that there would be no return to a border on this island. Look at uh, Michael. Uh, we, we in in Fianna Fáil and you know, right across the parliamentary parties in the, the mm. Dáil has given uh, leadership and 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 support to the government by playing politics with this. Uh, well, certainly, I don't think anybody would accuse me of playing politics with it. You always get a degree of people playing with politics. Mm. But as far as I'm concerned, there's a solidarity within. Leinster House of when, all when, parties. When Lisa Chambers was suggesting that the Taoiseach was saying that he was willing to compromise the backstop, which he well, wasn't. I, he clearly I, wasn't, was he? I th- I th- no, I think we were calling him to account and uh, Lisa, in her call, was clearly enunciating that you know there was a, a red lane and that red lane was... Uh, the backstop and no negotiation round, and that has been confirmed mm. by, by, in fairness, that has been confirmed by Simon Coveney uh, uh, only yesterday when he spoke about it. Mm. And by the Taoiseach last week. Uh, I mean, was it not playing politics with a very sensitive issue at uh, the peak of uh, the negotiations, uh, and was that not unhelpful? No, I think it was calling the Taoiseach to be careful uh, in his choice of words around. I suppose what I have said from day one, and I continue to say it, the book stops at the backstop. Mm, by saying that he was compromising the backstop? Uh, no, reminding him not to compromise the backstop, and I think that message is coming loud and clear from the EU27. But why would the Taoiseach uh, be compromising the backstop? No, you're saying he's compromising it. I said... No, that, no, that, no. That, well, look, it's the interpretation, words and their interpretation. Mm. Often, you know, uh, I used the phrase earlier, many a slip between the cup and the mm. lip. It was, in my view... Uh, a rush to judgment territory. on the part of Fianna Fáil, wasn't it? It was a dangerous territory that he was in fear of slipping into. Uh, Taoiseach Radcar and You mean you were afraid of him slipping into it? Absolutely. Uh, And you rushed to judgment. Fianna Fáil rushed to judgment. uh, Our spokesperson rushed to bring him back in line. Rushed to judgment because as it transpired it's not what he was saying. Well uh, time will tell. Time will tell. We don't know. Uh, People are in this so-called tunnel and until they come out of the tunnel uh, with what the deal is and it's time that people uh, you know, uh, to use the old proverbial phrase, yes. uh, crap or get off the pot. Right, well, in such a scenario, it would mean that uh, Ireland would be willing to uh, negotiate, to compromise the backstop, which would inevitably see the return of a hard border on this island. Is that what you're suggesting, that that's what the Taoiseach is willing to negotiate? No, I think that has been clarified, as I said earlier, by Leo Radcliffe in terms of the solidarity in relation to the backstop. Uh, the backstop is the backstop, and uh, I think uh, the choice of words of the Taoiseach last week uh, may have endangered the opportunity for the British to try and praise the door open. That has not happened, and I'm satisfied uh, that mm. collectively uh, the Parliament or the Dáil in all its parties, and that includes Fianna Fáil, are fully supportive once the backstop is retained and that uh, you know and I know, Mike, and the people living in the border region and in this constituency, uh, the border is is invisible as things stand. And okay. for, for any degree of slowing up of trade or delay in movement, just to give one quick example, mm-hmm. €15 Euro a tonne uh, uh, per hour, 
is 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 the extra cost on the yeah, movement hauliers, of goods. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that will be knocked on to you or I who are waiting yeah. on a package or a parcel, uh, be you in agriculture, be you in industry. Yeah. And that in itself says, and I think, to be fair, Theresa May yeah. is is honourable and that remains to be seen. Well, as honourable as she may be, she has to bring the cabinet with her, first of all, then it has to be approved by Europe, and then it has to be approved by the British Parliament, so it may not happen, and if we don't get some cabinet approval this week, another deadline will be missed. We've missed the October deadline. Deadline doesn't mean deadline in Brexit negotiations. We're going to miss the one uh, this week, Uh, and it seems as though the 13th of September is when that Council Summit is scheduled, or December is scheduled Third, fourth of December seems to be one that's been penciled in. If if they don't reach, and that would be last chance saloon. That's last chance saloon, uh, and I I I hope that uh, minds will prevail and people will see the sense in 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 reversing what is going on. I I've been this eternal optimist on this for a long, long time. That people uh, are beginning to see the complexities of trying to uh, move out of the. EU mm. and people were much better uh, having those deals within uh, than outside and that, 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 that's a reality. Two of the places where Theresa May indicated she was going to do deals uh, with as soon as she got a, a, the Brexit agreement, uh, they already have done deals uh, with the EU. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's a question of political judgment is also a question of bringing your people with you and that didn't happen in the first uh, uh, referendum Indeed, I've often said that despite the fact that we are past masters of referendums in this country and going back if, to, to get the right result, the reality was that in England they don't even have a referendum commission uh, that would have explained uh, that, that the slogans on the sides of the buses uh, were a myth. Okay. Many, many people who I've spoken to both through parliamentary uh, mm-hmm. uh, friendships and indeed through, through uh, friends and people living in England who, who voted no, not realising what they were voting for. All right, got to leave there. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Declan Brannock is a TD in Louth and Fianna Fáil's uh, spokesperson on North-South Bodies and Cross-Border Cooperation. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, the United Trade Union is uh, appealing to Dundalk-born businessman Martin Nocton to help bring about an agreement which would see staff at Glen Dimplex, Dimplex paid the living wage. Uh, two days of strike action are pencilled in for the 16th and 19th of November as a result of uh, this dispute. Susan Fitzgerald, Regional Coordinating Officer with United, is on the line. Good morning, Susan, and morning. thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, is this a, a personalised uh, attack? on Mr. Nocton. No, it's 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 not an attack at all. It's as you said yourself there, it's uh, an appeal to Mr. Nocton to intervene at this stage. It's quite a, a difficult situation for uh, many of his employees in Portadown. These are women and men, some of whom have worked for the company for 40 years, some of whom are couples. So the idea of taking industrial action when two people are going to be affected, you can you can take it as read that it's not a decision that's being taken lightly. Some of those who are taking strike action have uh, babies on the way, have young children. Um, so the reality is, is that this is quite a serious step for everyone involved. And what we're saying is Mr. Norton is known uh, uh, throughout the country for his generosity, for his philanthropy. Now, it may be the case that he's not aware of what's going on in this site at Portadown. So we're actually asking, we're, 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 firstly, we're making him aware 
that's quite a, a serious situation mm. that workers are engaging in for the first time strike action, industrial are, 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 are action are, are for 27p an hour. Are you suggesting though that he talks the talk and should actually walk the walk? Uh, I would hope that he would. I would yeah, hope that on the basis that, of being made aware of this. Is that um, not a personalised uh, attack on him uh, in a, a dispute between your trade union and the company? Uh, no, I'll tell you what's personal. Uh, the idea of people having to take industrial action in the mouth of Christmas when their young children have the same expectation of uh, the children of better paid workers, workers that are treated with more respect, shown more uh, respect and dignity at work. That That's quite personal. We're not personalising this about an individual we're putting the case forward for working people who deserve to be treated better. Mm. This dispute is about 27p an hour. The Norton Foundation, Mr Norton is the founder of Glen Dimplex. He, he, I don't think he has a hand in the day-to-day running as much as he did in the past, but he's the founder of it. He, he is someone who's dedicated to engineering, to maths, to education, the arts, gave away millions, millions of euro. Mm. Uh, we, we take our hat off to that. That's positive. We're not but, knocking any of that, obviously. But, We're asking him to intervene here and pay people a wage that lifts them out of in-work poverty. The pay offer from this company, even after uh, negotiations at the Labour Relations Agency, uh, are are actually consolidating poverty in that workplace. I would imagine he's not comfortable with that. I don't think he would be. And what we're saying, there's no attack here. Um, But if we have to escalate and continue our strike action, Hmm. we'll do that. We'll we'll be very, very robust. That that is your right. Uh, Obviously, uh, the point I I was making was uh, that you've uh, issued a press release uh, named Mr. Nocton, said that the philanthropist is being told that charity begins at home. And it it does seem to be uh, an attempt to embarrass somebody into seeing things from your point of view, because uh, there's nothing uh, illegal about what's happening here. And this is uh, the ongoing position that your members are in to be paid the minimum wage. Yeah, well I, I tell you what's embarrassing is very decent, ordinary working people who've shown huge loyalty to this company in a period of downturn a number of years ago when they could have walked away looked elsewhere, they didn't, they hung in there with the company. As I said, some people for 40 years. What's embarrassing is being forced by the intransigence of this company and the poverty wages of this company to take industrial action. That should be embarrassing nothing I'm going to say here should be any worse than that. What we're saying is this is uh, a, a, a company whose founder is noted for uh, philanthropy. And that's positive. Mm. We're asking them now to intervene into this dispute to give some direction to the people who are running that site from so that sense prevails. Well, let's break it down, what, what these workers are looking for. Uh, 875 is the recommended rate that someone needs to be earning on an hourly basis before they fall into poverty. Now, I don't feel that the living wage, I think £10 as a minimum looks more like a living wage to me, but that's the pay claim that was put forward by the workforce. They're currently on 8.48, 27p of a difference. Mm. And this company are, are dragging people uh, in, in, in winter, in the run-up to Christmas, through an industrial battle that doesn't need to happen. And that would put them on the equivalent of more than ten euro an hour, wouldn't it? It would be around the same as uh, ten euro an hour, eight seventy-five, which is yeah. somewhere between the Irish minimum wage and the Irish living wage. Uh, well, I believe the Irish living wage in the south. I'm obviously based in the north. Mm. I believe the Irish living wage in the south is eleven pounds, eleven euros ninety. Mm. So it's it's obviously quite a bit shy of that. Um, potentially taking in cost of living increases up up here in Northern Ireland. You have uh, our trade union colleagues who work in supermarkets who are earning more than Glen Dimplex workers who are part of uh, a multi-billion pound uh, manufacturing company. Mm. 
Okay. Well, there's no consistency here in terms of of uh, how how people are being treated. This dispute, you know, is one of the largest unions in Britain and Ireland. We're not without resources ourselves. We will go to the ends of the earth for our members at Glen Dimplex. What we're saying here today is not an attack. It's an appeal to intervene into this company that you've created and built and, and, and intervene in a way that uh, uh, we see sense prevailing and working people being shown some respect. Okay, and strike action uh, now seems inevitable, I take it. Uh, Susan, we leave it there for the moment, though, and thank you indeed for Thanks, joining Michael, us here this morning. Susan Fitzgerald, Regional Coordinating Officer with the United Trade Union. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. The gangland feud in uh, Drogheda continues and uh, despite the disbelief uh, that there has been over what happened this weekend, uh, there is fear this morning that uh, this feud will escalate. Uh, the stars reporting today that the man stabbed on Sunday night was 22 years of age. Uh, Paul Healy in his article describes him as a 22-year-old criminal who was abducted, taken to a house in Moneymore seriously beaten by a gang of five men with a shovel before being stabbed, brought up to a bathtub and having a gun placed in his mouth as uh, that feud continues to escalate. Uh, the paper has been speaking to an associate of uh, this 22-year-old who said they abducted him, brought him to the house and beat the crap out of him. Then they stabbed him with a Stanley knife and repeatedly hit him with a shovel. They then brought him up to the bathtub where they said they would chop him up and would later dump his body somewhere. They covered his head with a duvet and Gardy then stormed the house just in time. He was very lucky. He told Gardy they had a gun in his mouth at the time. We're joined now by Richie Culhan, who's a Fine Gael counsellor and a former Garda detective himself. Uh, that's like a scene from a criminal mafia movie or something like that, Richie. Well, it is. It's like something that you see on, on a TV, you know, I mean, uh, the, but uh, it's not something that you expect on a nor- in a normal town like Drogheda. Um, but unfortunately, <coughs> this uh, feud has escalated into a situation whereby uh, there is now a serious risk to life and property. Um, this, I suppose, you know, stems from um, an incident, or not an incident, but an attempted murder last July of a man on the... the uh, the cement road in a in a caravan park or in a halting site, and um, that man is paralysed now, as I understand it. And we've spoken many times in between that incident and today, and all of the other incidents that have been leading to this. In some way, uh, it was inevitable that it would explode in the way that it has. Now, there's been a lot of misinformation and a lot of wrong information and rumour and innuendo and so on. I think over the weekend it was being suggested that uh, somebody had uh, been shot and somebody else had been killed, uh, which proved to be incorrect. Uh, But we're hearing this morning as well uh, of uh, as many as uh, 20 people coming over from Manchester to join in this feud. Yes, and I heard that, uh, I've got, got that information myself, that there was uh, uh, 20 men approximately that travelled over from Manchester in England um, to get involved in this. And that's a very, very worrying thing for uh, everybody that's living in the town, and indeed, probably more so for the people that uh, that are that they're feuding with. Um, but I mean, I have only yesterday of... Written to the commissioner to ask for extra resources for the town, because at this stage we have a situation where, you know, it's we have a Limerick uh, type situation where we have criminal gangs that are wandering the streets, <clears throat> um, intimidating people, and you know, on on on, on for, or fortunately for the individual that was. Uh, 
as you described a few minutes ago, put in a bath and a gun placed in his mouth last night. Uh, if the Gardaí hadn't uh, inter, you know interceded, um, that certainly would have been another another murder. I'm, I've no doubt about it. Um, so it was great work to to get in there and save that man's life. You know, one of the things that I've been calling for for so many so many years now uh, is is added resources for for the for the force here in in Drogheda. Mm. Drogheda is, is Ireland's largest town, and I suppose it hasn't received. Is money more safe? Look, um, money more money more at, at this particular point in time is not safe. Um, the majority, 99.9% of the people, and we hear this all the time, are absolutely law-abiding, decent citizens. There are a number of families... But they're under siege. They are under siege. They're not I allowed mean, to leave their house. It's, it, they're under siege, and, you know, I mean, the Gardaí, you know, I mean, mm. while, they, while, while, they ha- while they have put resources into that area since this feud has begun, um, they can't be there 24-7. They haven't got the resources to, to you know, to, to carry out um, intelligence-led operations... Mm. Um, and I see them searching up on uh, that halting site uh, uh, as well as the cement road safe. <clears throat> well, look at I mean many many things have happened in the cement road over the over the last twelve months. Uh, not least, I suppose you know major seizures of of uh, of, of drugs and uh, and firearms. Mm. And uh, you know, as I said, and my point is that the guards can only be there; they can't be there twenty four seven because they just don't have the resources. So like yesterday I wrote to the to the uh, commissioner Drew Harris, and I implored him, you know, on behalf of the people of Drogheda, until uh, unless we want to see a Limerick situation develop here where we're having murders on a daily basis, the Gardaí need resources to come out. But they, what they also need is Michael, mm. they need the public to come forward with information in relation to these guys. And I know that a lot of people um, are, are terrified, absolutely terrified. Um, to come up, come forward and give evidence. Only last night, um, I received a call from an individual who um, is terrified to go ahead with uh, with with giving uh, evidence against one of these members of the gangs, and uh, he called me to see if I could do anything. I have. And what information but, did he have, or what can you tell us? Well, he I can't tell you very mm. much because I mean it, it is before the courts um, today, and um, he was he was very concerned for his life and the safety of his family. But even uh, if the were given all of the resources under the sun, uh, it is still difficult because, I mean, let's say the 20 men who have travelled over from Manchester, what can you do about them? They've done nothing wrong, in essence. No, they have done nothing wrong, but, I mean, all the signs are there that they're here to uh, to, to seek revenge on on, uh, on the, you know, the incident that happened. Well, if they say they're not, it's not an arrestable offence. No, there is no. nothing they can do unless, yeah. I mean, they have clear evidence and mm. they, they get involved in criminal activity that the guards are aware of and they can be arrested then. But you're expecting them to. <clears throat> I think that it's a very dangerous situation at the moment in Drogheda, and I know that uh, the individuals involved have made no secret of the fact that uh, that this is going to escalate and they're going to seek revenge on on um you know the individuals mm. that were involved in the attempted murder of of one of their own and do the guards need resources to the extent that they could follow each and every one of these people Look, I mean, as we saw in the investigation in, in, in the Veronica Guerin murder, when there was public outcry um, in relation to her murder by gangs who were running riot in this country, um, the guards were eventually given the resources uh, to go after these people. The same thing happened with the gangs in Limerick. They were given the resources, they were given the finances, they were given the equipment, and they were given the manpower. And until that happens, this situation... 
situation in Drogheda is going to remain very, very serious. And I am seriously concerned uh, for the the people that are living on the north side of Drogheda and indeed all over the town, because inevitably in gang warfare like this and feuds, there are always innocent uh, Bystanders who, uh, mm. who 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 get injured or or or, or something even, or, and particularly even when there's guns, because when you fire guns, bullets tend to ricochet, and people are caught up in it. As you say, do you believe uh, that the gangs involved in this feud uh, are armed or well armed, as the case may be? Look, it's widely accepted that you know uh, gangs involved in feuds and gangs involved in drugs um, have access to firearms. And so they plenty of guns. Is, yeah. is no is no is no different than that, and I'm I'm sure that they have access to weapons. You know, as you know, I mean, it was reported last night that you know that this individual that was um, uh, placed in the bath had a gun placed in his mouth. I mean, it's very it's very easy to come oh, by yeah. weapons and, nowadays. And shots, five shots uh, a couple of weeks ago at a house and money more, and undoubtedly all these things are, are linked. Uh, but do you believe that? Uh, there's a, a lot of guns about the place. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can't make it. Uh, I, I can't make a yeah. call on that one, Michael. I'm sure the guards, have, um, you know, have yeah. information that some some individuals are, have firearms. But I mean, it's very difficult. You can hide a firearm very, very easily. So you don't know how many mm. firearms are in the town. But what I am concerned is, and I really am seriously concerned, and I've spent, you know, 39 years in Drogheda, and I don't think that I've seen violence of this nature in the town. Is it too big a, a problem for policing? Does it need mediation? You know, um, I spent many years on the fo- on the, in the force, and many of these criminal organisations you don't mediate with them. When things go wrong and families uh, uh, begin to feud, as we have seen with the Kinnan and Hutch feud, mm. uh, the number of deaths that has that has caused. Um, I don't think there is any mediation between these people unless they mediate between themselves. And unfortunately, what you have is a situation where you have both of these groups. Uh, being supported uh, by outside organisations, also, um, there was a suggestion that perhaps the you know the the uh, one particular gang are uh, being supported by a dissident organisation, and that is very worrying because those people have access and have the wherewithal to produce uh, explosives, mm. and they have obviously you know weapons at their disposal, also. So I I, I hope for the sake of uh, peace in this town. That um, you know that the the commissioner takes note of uh, mm. the the calls that we have made and every public representative has made in relation to oh, sure. resourcing the guards. Because who, who in these gangs care what public representatives have to say? Uh, you know, I mean that's unfortunately the reality. But unless you convince them to agree to a truce, well then it's going to continue, isn't it? And that probably means no matter how many people you arrest or imprison for that matter, uh, because this seems to extend on from one person to the next person, girlfriends or friends or neighbours or whoever become targets for that matter. Well, again, I point back to Limerick, and I mean, the Gardaí took on the criminal gangs in Limerick, and they dealt with them by law. But they dealt with them by hassling them, by harrying them, by uh, setting up checkpoints in the area, by by um, knocking out their distribution uh, uh their distribution uh, centres uh, for their drugs and their and their. Uh, see, the most important thing for these uh, criminals and these 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 gangs, money is everything. Money is God, and this is what this is certainly all about. It's about money, and it's about seeking retribution for somebody who was uh, attacked by another by another gang. Um, I, I'm very worried, and I hope that, uh, as I said, the commissioner and the minister for justice. I've also written to him, uh, gives the local members the resources. But may I say also, Mike, is that. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's vitally important that the Gardaí are supported by the people of Drogheda because people are out there and they are the eyes and ears of the of, of Gardaí Shikana. And if they see something suspicious, call it in or call the confidential line. It's very very important because. And are, are they speaking with police in Manchester? Do you think? I don't. I'm not aware of that, but I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that uh, there's there's certainly intelligence crossing over the Irish Sea, and uh, I, I'm sure that they have a handle on it. I know that uh, they'll deal with them in a very professional way, and 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 hopefully, um, you know, we don't see this thing escalate into something that gives Drogheda, you know, a name uh, like you know the island feel in, in 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 Limerick and places like that. Okay, Richie, I have to leave it there for now. Thank you though for joining us uh, this morning, Richie Gulhan, sitting Fine Gael councillor and former Garda detective. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of uh, the calls and text messages that have been coming to us uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and to all our listeners. A complete mix of stuff this morning. On Brexit, first of all, Seamus from Dundalk phoned in and says, Michael, despite the apparent optimism of our leaders, I can't see a Brexit deal being reached in the next few days. So where will that leave us? What will happen next? Mm. Where is it all going to end, Seamus wants to know. Oh, if I had a crystal ball, I'd tell you in a flash. <laughs> um Peter from Drogheda on the same topic says that Theresa May, it appears to him, has sold out the DUP, DUP and he fears that it's not going to end well. He's wondering, will it end up being there being a general election in the UK? Mm, quite possible. Certainly wouldn't rule it out. Another listener, we're going round in circles in relation to Brexit. Theresa May is under huge pressure from within her own party. She's trying to please everybody, but yet it seems she's pleasing nobody. Mm. Does anyone else feel that there should be another referendum on whether the UK should actually leave the EU? Mm. Well, I think a few people believe it would be a good idea and I'm sure there's uh, as many, if not more, who believe it wouldn't be. On the gang uh, feud in Drogheda, Fanula phoned in and says, if the Gardaí know who all these people are that's involved in these incidents in Drogheda, why are not more arrests being made? Paul says, what you describe sounds like an episode out of love-hate. That is what is going on in Drogheda, but unfortunately it's not fiction, it's mm. reality. And the Gardaí really need to get to grips with this. Thank God they intervened in that uh, incident on Sunday night. But God love the poor, innocent people living in areas like Money Moore that are affected and have nothing to do with this. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all the worse in Money Moore and all the more worrying, uh, I'm sure, but it uh, extends beyond that uh, to all and every part of the town for that matter. Eugene phoned in from Dundalk, Michael, listening to your show in relation to what's going on in Drogheda. I'm a community activist in Dundalk and I'd give my full support too on Garda Siakana. I'd often be critical of the Gardaí in certain areas, especially in relation to uh, housing protests, etc. But on issues like this, it's very important that the community gets behind the Gardaí and gives the Gardaí full support. Eugene goes on to say that he had reason to call the Guardian and Dog himself on Sunday mm-hmm. night in relation to a, a small incident, and they weren't able to deal with it until after an hour because. Uh, 
one of the patrol cars had gone to Drogheda as he understood that there was only two patrol cars in Dundalk and one had to go to Drogheda and he says this raises other issues because obviously resources are being channelled in Drogheda at the moment so he does agree with your guest that there needs to be more resources for the entire county to cope with this. Oh, absolutely and people are uh, afraid to give information and understandably so I mean these fellows will cut you up, beat you black and blue with a shovel, strip you, put you in a bath, a duvet over your head and a, a gun in your mouth and that's uh, the story so far it would seem it unfortunately seems uh, with the arrival of these 20 individuals from Manchester that this story is far from over and that there is more trouble on the way. We'll hear more about the ongoing feud a little bit later on in the programme but let's talk about something completely different now and uh, the impact uh, that bullying is having on the LGBTI community at schools and and uh, as part of uh, the Stand Up Awareness Week, uh, Belong to You services have launched uh, the results of a survey. Moninia Griffith is Executive Director of Belong To. And uh, good morning to Moninia, and thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. Uh, this is having a, a devastating impact on young people, it would seem, according to the results of this survey. Yes, I mean, after the... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Marriage equality referendum, um, the number of young people coming out at home and in their schools has really increased. We've noticed that so at schools, so have parents. Um, and I think that the knock-on effect of that is with increased visibility, there's, there's um, you know, a lot more people are noticing that the anti-LGBT um, um, bullying and exclusion that goes on. So we hear from young people everything that range, ranging from mm. off-the-cuff hurtful remarks use of language to exclusion in the classroom. One young person coming into a classroom where everybody's seat was turned against them so that they're physically excluded. Mm. To serious violence, a young person being thrown down the stairs uh, in school, another person being thrown into the showers in their uniform and the the cold water turned on. So the knock-on effect for a lot of young people, uh, LGBT young people, is they internalise a message if they're not out they're terrified of coming out because they're, they're, they're scared of rejection. 
They're scared of bullying and, and exclusion and isolation. And is that almost guaranteed, not that there'd be violence, but there'd be rejection because bullying through isolation is as bad a form as bullying can be. Uh, perhaps not as obvious, uh, but when somebody is isolated in that way and people don't want to know them or are afraid to know them because of what others think, uh, it can be very uh, damaging on one's mental health well-being. It can be devastating. So 12 is the, is the average age for a young person to realise that they might be LGBT and 15, 16 is the most common age for them to tell another person. So those few years can be a really, really um, uh, fretful, mm. anxiety-ridden few years as, as they're coming to terms with who they are um, and uh, hiding from the people in their, their lives, people that they love, who they are mm. until it's safe and they're ready to come out. So if they're then in a, in a school environment where um, there's kind of casual homophobia and transphobia r- r- ranging up to the, the more violent, it's, it's a message for them to stay in the closet, to keep hiding and can have devastating toll on their mental health. And that's why we see a spike in um, extreme depression, anxiety, self-harm and suicide in that age group. Of What's driving it though, Meninia? I mean, it, it seems odd uh, in one sense. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, the referendum and how mm. young people present themselves and you would have the belief, at least, or at least I would have the belief uh, that young people are, are very liberal and open to others and uh, a difference in others. And uh, I mean, you see their Facebook profiles or whatever, and they have rainbow colours on it and mm-hmm. uh, would speak very positively. Uh, but if they're not acting positively, what's behind it? Is it fear or is it something else? Well, I think that the the prejudice that exists in our society, Irish society didn't just evaporate overnight with the passing of the marriage referendum. And young people in general um, are reporting that they do feel uh, more accepted in, in Ireland. But that's that that message kind of hasn't trickled down to um, you know uh, young people's lives. And I think what has happened is uh, there's been kind of a proliferation or a growing uh, return to using the word, using a gay and lesbian and, and words like that as something pejorative. Um, uh, some stuff young people are watching on YouTube or they're just picking up from, from each other. Again, I, some of it is not intentional. We know that because once we go in, um, at, or when stand-up runs in schools, young, when young people understand the impact that they're having on their friends, um, their behaviour changes because they have empathy and they, they, you know, for the vast majority of them, they do not want to cause upset or harm or hurt to their, their, the people in their classroom. So it's mm. um, sometimes it's just a lack of understanding of the, the impact of their, their behaviour. OK, well, uh, the publication of your survey coincides with uh, the beginning of Stand Up Awareness Week. Uh, and thanks for telling us a little bit about the findings. Uh, that's Moninia Griffith, uh, who's Executive Director of Belong to Youth Services. Now, let's go back uh, to some more of your thoughts. Uh, Marie, what else have you got for us? Yes, Michael, Brendan contacted us uh, in relation to a story we covered yesterday with Paddy Malone of Dundundog Chamber of Commerce who are withdrawing from organising the St Patrick's Day Parade next year and they had made that announcement and we covered it yesterday and Brendan says that it raises the whole issue around volunteering. He was mentioning the struggle of trying to get people to help out and Brendan says that he's involved with a registered charity in the North East for years and it's very difficult trying to get volunteers to act
act as stewards at events or to participate in fundraisers like church gate collections or bad pack, bag packing in local supermarkets. And he says it's made worse this year as from January all volunteers under the charity law must be checked by the background before they volunteer. And he says on top of this some people think that they should get paid to volunteer and that they don't want to give up their time. So he says it's very difficult for charity or, you know, charitable mm, organisations mm, okay. trying to recruit. Uh, another listener was in touch, the original John from Navin, just in relation to the commemorations on Sunday to mark the end of the centenary, the centenary of the World War One, And he was saying that um, he wondered what was there to celebrate because that day was only a prelude to a more destructive war 20 years later, World War Two. He says he feels it was a war which caused a loss of life that was far greater. And he says that you had all the European leaders celebrating on Sunday when really he doesn't feel that lessons are being learned. Yeah, well, it was a different war, the Second World War, wasn't it? It uh, was. Than the first, uh, and uh, there were very different times, there's no doubt. Uh, there was a... Uh, a lot of lives ended and changed and destroyed. And uh, I think it was uh, the ordinary people uh, who were sent out and in the trenches and uh, forward, the generals would cry from the rear and the front flank died. All right, Michael, we'll finish right. on that one. Thank you, Brie. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us today. Now, if you'd like to add to what's been said, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 1850 Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, the increase in rents is being felt uh, across uh, the country. Uh, nationally, on average, uh, the increase up uh, to uh, the year September uh, was 11.3%. It's uh, 12.3% in Meath, where the average asking price now is €1,288. Uh, month and we're joined by Patrick Tobin, independent TD for the county, uh, and we're seeing significant increases, a hundred percent more expensive to rent now than it was at its lowest point. Yeah, it's an it's an incredible statistic, and uh, it needs it, it's worth just focusing on. So, average rents in me they're now double what they were six years ago in 2012. Uh, so that means obviously renters uh, who are uh, who don't own houses. Uh, have a significantly bigger chunk of their wages consumed by rent, which leaves obviously less for uh, what else, whatever else is needed, such as food, clothing, heating, uh, healthcare, education, etc. And I did a quick thought up of it yesterday, and I looked at the average industrial wage and the average take-home wage uh, for families, which is about twenty-nine thousand euros a year. And if you're paying the average rent in Meath with the average take-home, fifty-two percent of your salary is now consumed by rent. And they say it um, should be no more than a third. It should be no more than a third in a functioning economy. Yeah. Mm. Um, in a functioning society, it should, it should be no more than a third because every time that rent creeps up, it squeezes out other elements of a person's life uh, with regards to expenditure. And, you know, that has a whole lot of knock-on effects. One, it impoverishes people. Uh, two, it forces people out of their homes because they mm. can no longer afford houses in a particular area. And I've seen it over the last number of years, and I've mentioned it to you before. There's, there's, a, there's a wave of migration happening in Meath where people are surfing the affordable wave of house prices and house rents. So in other words, people who started off living in Ashburn and, and Dunshockland, yep. uh, then moved to Navan and then <clears throat> moved to, to, to Kells, mm. and are now living in Cavan. And you know, these people, many of them, 
have moved their kids every time they've had to move and also are commuting to the same jobs maybe in Dublin that they were. So they're now dealing with maybe three and a half hour commutes every day. So it's a dysfunctional society and a dysfunctional economy that okay. forces people uh, to do but this. But not surprising given the figures. Uh, I mean, the calculation that you did for us there was based on the average industrial wage and not everybody earns the average industrial wage. You're saying that families on that income are spending 52% of take-home pay on the average cost of rent, but only 17% of all workers are on the average industrial wage. And many people will be on the minimum wage, which would be uh, would have a take-home of about 19,000 euros. So in a, on a 19,000 euro take-home, you're, you know, you're up to yeah. a, a 70 or 80% of that going on the average uh, monthly rent. And that average monthly ha- rent also hides the fact that there are rakes of towns, towns especially, and you know, the larger towns and those in the very southeast, which have a far higher rental average than actually that county-wide average there. Indeed, I would be talking mm. to people <clears throat> who in, in Navan would be going for two-bedroom apartments who would be quoted at uh, twelve and €1,300 Euros a month, never mind four-bedroom houses uh, for that particular price. So there, there is a massive uh, crash with regards to people's living standards. And this also, and this is not good for the government because this focuses and this pushes actually um, a inflation up right through the economy because if my family is stuffed with regards to rent, I have to go to my boss and say, listen, I can't afford to work in this job and pay this rent. So I need to either get a, 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 a wage increase or I need to move. So that has an upward push on wages throughout the society mm. too, <clears throat> which makes Ireland less uh, competitive internationally. Okay, and I take it that's one of the ways people are coping or you have two income families or people are getting state assistance, welfare, HAP payments. People are scraping by. And I was on a, 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 a this show about, I think about a month and a half ago with the Junior Minister for Housing, Damien English. And we discussed this issue because at the time I was, I was calling for towns in the Midwest constituency to be taken under rent controls. And Damien English stated, and I, I wrote it down, he stated that rents in Midwest are not high. And that shocked me that we would have a Junior Minister from the county for well, housing. He's right though, isn't he? Rel- relative to the East, they're not high. I mean, as you said yourself, uh, that's why people move from Ashburn to Kells. See, and, and, and it, it's that type of play and language that he's using that is, is frustrating people because everybody knows that these rents are high. They're double what they were in 2012. They're higher than they were in the peak uh, in 2007. And what we need at the moment is a rent freeze for three years. We need to say to people, listen, we're going to say, stop rents increasing for the next three years. And also, we're going to give a, um, a relief, a tax relief during that time uh, so that people can actually get the equivalent to one uh, month's rent tax relief so that they can actually take a breather and ensure that they're not uh, suffering from poverty and other uh, major difficulties within uh, their income bracket. And uh, that's how a government should tackle this. Plus, of course, proper spending on social housing and uh, making sure that the private uh, building sector is actually functioning as well. More supply on, on, on this would radically resolve the issue both from the state and from the private sector. But, you know, we see that government supply increases are glacial at the moment. Um, when, I, when this all started, the government admitted that 10,000 new social houses need to be built. They haven't reached that objective as of yet, and at least they're about 30% less than that uh, for 2018 and 2019. Um, they need to make sure the proper money is invested in this for the humanitarian disaster that it is 
and for the economic problems that they're building up in the future. But rent freezes don't work, do they? Uh, I mean, we have uh, a system of sorts in place uh, where you have this 4% increase, maximum increase in some of the designated areas, the rent pressure zones, uh, but uh, with increases of 12% and more, uh, obviously they're being ignored. Well, the government's system of rent cap isn't working for sure. So one of the major problems that uh, is happening at the moment is that new rents uh, in an area or people who are, you know, getting a new rents uh, are not being taken into consideration with this 4% cap. And that needs to change. So, for example, we've seen uh, certain areas designated as rent pressure zones, but they would have maybe a 16% increase uh, in the level of rent compared to the rent cap. <clears throat> and these rent pressure zones are failing new entrants in the market uh, because asking prices for new lets are clearly circumventing the 4% cap. And this is adding to the, uh, this, uh, this, the instability within the housing market. We need to be able to say for a three-year period to get us through the worst element of this particular crisis, we're calling for a rent freeze. And that, that means that rents won't increase anywhere for that three-year period. And at the same time, we're going to give a rent relief to those uh, who are suffering uh, in a form of a, a tax break. And actually, the finance bill is going through Leinster House. It would, we would, uh, would be able to uh, put this particular measure into the finance bill if Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil were willing to do this. But they have a different view. They look, they, their attitude in this is to give a tax break to the landlords in an effort to uh, ameliorate the increasing uh, rent, rent uh, prices. But we know that when you give tax breaks to landlords, uh, they're often consumed, and yet and the, the landlord will charge the market price. Like, I can understand that people out there saying, well, they have a property, the market price is, is, is 1,400 euros a month, and they're mm-hmm. charging 900 euros. Well, of course, these people, after a while, are going to start putting up uh, the rents. But it's up to, to the government to say, we need a functional society where people pay fair rent for fair accommodation so that they can be housed properly. And as you said, said at the start, roughly, that's 30% of their income. Uh, etc. And we need to achieve that but unfortunately that's not happening with this government. Alright and to put it into context, uh, Threshold has been looking at the increases across the country (coughs) Excuse me, and they're saying that people are being asked to come up every month uh, with more money obviously because their rent is increasing but that extra money would pay for a weekly shop for a family or pay for a Christmas dinner. Yeah, but this is it this is it, there's an opportunity cost to this. So for every couple of hundred euros extra I'm paying in my rent. That money is coming out of something. And if a family is to the pin of the collar, if they've no disposable income out after they've paid for all of the necessities in their lives, that means that family will have to sacrifice a necessity to achieve what their, uh, what their, their rent is. And that money is, is, is going out of those families and it's been lost to the local economy in many ways. And the saddest thing that I see, to be honest, is people who are coming into me with families, and they're asking me, do I know of a house that they can rent somewhere because of the rents that they're being charged uh, in, in their current house? And they're telling me that they're having to take their kid out of school mm. for the third time. And they're moving to very rural uh, areas uh, west of County Meath. And that has a, a, a radical effect on their lives as well because they've usually spent time building up friends and family as a support basis 
for the family's existence. Mm. And they're being pushed away from that yeah. support base. Yeah. And, and, mm. and that, that has a radical effect mm. over the fabric of society as well when people are being forced into areas where, you know, they have to restart mm. their lives uh, but, again. But, but given again. the amount of, of increases, uh, have they made their last move now or will they be going from Cavan to Leitrim? Because, uh, I mean, I think this is the 10th quarter in a row that rents have increased and there seems to be no let up in it. No, this, uh, and there, there is absolutely a complete trend for the continuation of this. And actually, in the last number of, of uh, reports, there's been an acceleration in some parts of the country, uh, especially outside of Dublin with regards rents. This is going to continue until a government calls stop. But the government don't want to intervene because they have this allergic reaction to intervening in, in the market. And their, their natural reaction is to sit in their hands. And I would say, a lot of people tell me in the, in the clinics, they say, why is it that Fine Gael won't act in this? Is it because so many of their, their TDs are landlords and they have a particular vested interest in this? Now, I'm not sure exactly what the case is, but what I'm saying to you is that they have a moral duty to stand up for tenants as well. You know, fair rents is something that goes back into the Irish psyche for hundreds of years. Indeed, the, the, the political turmoil that started in the 19th mm. century was around fair rents and fixity uh, of, of tenure. But even if the government was to listen to you, it wouldn't do anything. What is, uh, it would just cap the rents at the level that they're at now. Uh, well, first, what first about rent all, ceilings? First of all, um, the, the problem is it's getting worse. So we would freeze the rents as they are currently. And we would also then give a tax break to those who are renting of one, the equivalent of one month's rent. So that would actually physically return a twelfth of a renter's income back into their own pockets. But secondly, uh, what I would suggest should be done is an extra billion euros should be spent with regards to the building of social and affordable housing. But not there was rent no ceilings. affordable houses, houses built uh, by the government. Okay, but not uh, rent ceilings. Whatsoever. Pardon me? Not rent ceilings. Well, what, what, we're talking about rent, freezing the rent. Yeah. The rent would mm-hmm. not be able to increase uh, during that period of time. And then we would actually build the necessary houses, which would take the pressure out of the pressure mm. cooker. So, 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 so until that happened, uh, rents would remain at the current levels? Well, l- listen, there isn't a magic wand uh, to this. And, you know, mm. it would be easy for me to come in here and uh, literally say that, you know, I want um, a complete collapse in the level of rents currently out there. But I know that the system as it is uh, isn't like that. But what you can do is you can call a halt and stop now to rent increases. And you can create the necessary investment Mm. so those on the lowest incomes can avail of social houses and affordable houses at mortgage rates and rent rates that are less than the commercial market rents. And I I gathered that throughout the interview when you've said what we would do uh, and uh, you've gone on to promote Sinn Féin policies, uh, that that was uh, what you were referring to, that it wasn't the royal way, that it was the Sinn Féin policy that you're asking people to look at. How are your relations with the party now? Well, these are policies that I've worked on Mm. uh, for the last number of years as well. So these uh, these are policies that I'm heavily invested it in. Um, you know, my, my relationship, I suppose, with, mm. the, with Meech and Fain are, are very, very good. Um, and as I said before Nationally. on this show, that I have a lot of really good friends and really good comrades mm. in the organization, the Mead. You know, as I said in your last show as well, I'm trying to ascertain from uh, headquarters exactly 
uh, how I can contribute fully to the party in future. Uh, I haven't got an answer to that question as of yet. Okay, we leave it there then for the moment, and thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Independent TD, Patrick O'Bean. Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, as you've been hearing uh, this morning, uh, this gangland uh, feud in Drogheda may turn into gangland warfare with 20 troops recruited from Manchester who arrived here over the weekend uh, to support one of uh, the feuding fractions in uh, this very, very violent dispute. Let's hear a little bit more about what's going on. Stephen Breen, crime editor with uh, The Irish Sun, is on uh, the line. There's plenty of reason for people to be concerned Stephen, given what's happened already, uh, is it set to get worse, do you think? I, I think it will, and I think it will get worse, especially if the individual who was shot and left paralysed in, uh, in Drogheda on July 5th, um, there's, there are reports that he's due to be released from hospital soon. So uh, when you have cases like this, when you have ongoing feuds between two criminal gangs who are uh, determined to kill each other, um, this, is a, this is about drugs, this is about control, about money, um, about turf. And often we've seen across the whole country, not just in Dublin here where we have feuds or Limerick or Cork, wherever it is, you know, when you have a vicious feud and when you have a cycle of violence, innocent people often get caught up in this and lose their lives. And that is a fear. Now, the Guardi have initiated a robust response to dealing with this problem. But it all started from um, this individual being shot, uh, Owen McGuire, in, in July 5th uh, last year. And since then, we've had petrol bombings, you've had shots fired at homes in October, you've had cars torched, houses attacked, uh, threats issued, fires at a halting site, um, even just the other evening, a car exploded containing a, a gas canister. There was a, um, a woman had a lucky escape and a pipe bomb was attached to her car. So it really is quite vicious. Uh, and, and the worry is that it could escalate um, as, as the, both of these feuding gangs rival for control. Right. Uh, and is that typical of a, a town this size, do you think? Well, no, not not really, because uh, Drogheda, and, and compared to some of the other towns we we have here in Ireland, is it's 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 small uh, compared to Limerick or Cork, mm. uh, for example, like where we've seen other feuds. But it's so concentrated as well, and it, but it's not just this Drogheda. You, know, you have the the the, the townlands outside it, and you have these uh, criminal gangs as well operating the, uh, along the border too. So it could go into County Louth as well, and it, it could even reach down as far as Balbriggan. Like we we've seen, you know, Benny Whitehouse uh, was shot there, there in Balbriggan outside of school a number of years ago. So, you know, the, some of the individuals involved in that murder are, are linked to one of the factions in, in this gang. So, when you have such a, a small area, and even in the Moneymore estate where we've seen numerous incidents, you know, it is confined to the local area there, but it, that's where the concern lies, where you have such a small area and people who are willing to go out there and, and use violence and a concentrated area where you have families, you have school children, uh, local residents there, and it really is very worrying. And you say it's uh, about drugs. Is it uh, that one gang in Moneymore had its turf, if you like, uh, which uh, another gang based in the halting site on the cement road have been yeah. trying to muscle in on? Yeah, it's organised crime, and you have you have one guy in there who would also have connections to organised criminal gangs in Dublin. So they have access to firearms. Uh, the, the other guy would have access to petrol bombs, um, pipe bombs as well. So it, they are both organised gangs who are primarily engaged in the distribution of, of drugs and other forms of criminality. And I, I know that, um, for example, you know the the faction associated with Thorne McGuire, they're also into the stolen car trade. You know the, the cross border. Mm. Um, 
chop shops as well. So it is organised crime and it is about money. That That's the, mm. the ultimate aim for these individuals are who in, has the control, who has the turf. In, in, indeed, we were speaking about uh, the raids at the halting site uh, on a, a number of occasions and what was uncovered there. Gardy searching, uh, I think, uh, at that halting site uh, again this week. Uh, what would they be hoping to find? Well, they'll be hoping to find evidence that can link them to uh, incidents connected to this ongoing feud. And we also remember that you've had the Criminal Assets Bureau who have also launched their own investigation into these criminal gangs. So they're, you know, it's not just Dublin criminal gangs they're targeting. You know, you're, the, the Criminal Assets Bureau have identified these uh, particular individuals who are connected to organised crime through drugs and, and other forms of criminality. Mm. And they have, um, they have been, they found watches, they have found uh, cash. So they are making, you know, a lot and the thirteen thousand euro bed, if I remember that's, correctly, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and it, some of the homes were done; they're very lavish. So you know, these people are making money, and it is through crime. So it's good to see a, a different approach from the Guardi. It's a very robust uh, uh, approach mm-hmm. in trying to, to, first of all, disrupt their activities, and also then to take their assets as well. And ultimately, if they do commit forms of violence, then and we, we saw like a, a brutal stabbing a few days mm-hmm. ago as well. So people will be brought before the courts on serious charges. Yeah, well, no doubt they will. And uh, the reports of uh, that brutal, brutal stabbing uh, involving a, a gun in this 22-year-old's mouth. I was asking Richie Culhan a little bit earlier on uh, about how to bring about an end to this. He's a former guarded detective and sitting councillor himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was asking, is it possible to police a conclusion to this or is it something that needs to be mediated? Well, well, that's a possibility that the mediation has, has been used in the past in, in, in Dublin and various criminal gangs. But you think if you look at Limerick, for an example, there the, the Gardaí, they were given the full resources of the state and they, they launched a series of offensive uh, offences against the uh, McCarthy-Dunton crime gang. A lot of the, their seri- senior players are now in jail on very, very serious charges, including murder. So I think if the guards have the resources, you know, they have the armed support unit who are out there on the streets, mm. you know, 24-7 patrols and but we have to maintain those resources to disrupt their activities in the hope that preservation of life is paramount here. So that has to be the number one priority for the Gardaí. Do you believe it's safe to go into the Money More housing estate? Well, if, if there's a huge guard of presence there, you know, we don't want to be scaremongering uh, as yeah. well there, you know. But no, there, no well, but apart from going in there to live there, yes, you know. But the, mm. the, the reality is there, are, there have been numerous incidents there. There have been gas canisters, canisters left in cars. Mm. There have been pipe bombs. There have uh, industrial units have been set on fire. So Fellas have walked down the street and started shooting at houses. Yep, yep, shots yep, have been yep, fired yep, at homes mm, and what's yep. to stop someone walking by. So people have every right to be concerned and to be worried there. And, and that's why it's important that the Guardi have a strong presence there to, to disrupt these activities. But they can't be everywhere all the time and it just mm. takes one individual with the intention to go out there with an automatic weapon or whatever he mm. has or a pipe bomb and just use this in a reckless fashion because they don't care about innocent people's lives uh, and people are saying why if they know who it is why don't they arrest him well, I think we all understand uh, that they don't yeah. have the evidence and if they had the evidence maybe they could or would but uh, I mean when you hear about 20 fellows coming over from Manchester yes. to uh, take one side in this dispute is that more reason for concern. 
that, that is worrying. That is showing that, 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 that one particular faction related to this feud has drafted in uh, reinforcements, you know, to show muscle and, and to show that it's all about image as well for, for these people too, where, you know, they, they have support uh, behind them as, as part of this feud. But, you know, what can the guards do? They, they can't stop people from, from traveling over here. It's only when they mm. engage in criminal activity that they can be arrested. So it, it, that's what they have to do is, is focus on disruption and then hopefully uh, bring people to the court if they have committed serious and I, and I guess that's the fear and I guess that's what I was trying to come to Stephen because uh, you can't arrest everybody in this uh, because even if you do perhaps they'll be replaced by 20 fellows from Manchester or somebody else for that matter or the targets uh, you can't all be arrested because perhaps they'll be replaced by girlfriends or friends or neighbours Yes, that's 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 the problem. Where, where you do, you, you can't. Uh, if, if you do, you know, arrest a number of individuals, there are, there are always people waiting in the wings to take their place, and that's the, the sort of a common theme in relation to organised crime across Ireland and different gangs and in different parts of the country. So it, it is worrying that if you do make these arrests or if if people leave, others will will take their place. Uh, and the gangs that are involved, uh, what's your understanding? of them uh, in terms of uh, the danger that they pose Stephen uh, I mean are we talking about uh, the likes of some of the very serious gangs uh, that we've been fairly familiar with in this country over the years whether that's the Dundons or the Westies or whoever yeah. Well listen for example if we take the associates of um, Owen Maguire who was shot his associates without question and this has been written and documented many times before are the chief suspects for the, the, the brutal murder of Willie Mohan and his, his, his girlfriend Anna Varslan. You know, th- these are people who are also linked to the murder of Benny Whitehouse and so they have been involved in organised crime um, for many years. They, they have close links to um, uh, an inmate, uh, Cornelius Price, who's a, um, a well-known criminal from the area. He's currently locked up at the moment. He will be released um, very shortly in the new year, I believe. So that would lead to the more problems. And then you have the the other faction who have links to North Dublin criminal gangs, West Dublin criminal gangs, who have access to firearms. And we've seen that they weren't afraid to use those firearms when they shot um, Owen McGuire on July 5th. So you have two different sets of, of criminals here who are well equipped, uh, well resourced and who have the intention as well to target each other and also aren't afraid to use violence in extreme forms. Okay. Pretty serious stuff. Stephen, thank you indeed uh, thank for you, joining Michael. us this morning. Stephen Breen is uh, the crime editor with The Irish Sun. Michael Reed on LMFM. Time now, as is usual, around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. As usual, there's a, a number of incidents Garda are investigating locally and perhaps you can assist with those investigations. Sergeant Tony Ward of Navin Station joins us for the report this week and as uh, we've been hearing all morning, there's a, a lot of concern in uh, the Drogheda area about uh, some of these very significant incidents in uh, the last number of days in particular but part of what's believed to be an ongoing feud uh, and I'm sure you're appealing to anybody who has information to make that information known to you. That's correct Michael, good morning. I would like to start by urging any person who can assist the Gardaí and draw it in relation to their investigations highlighted uh, throughout this morning's show to contact them directly at Drogheda Garda Station or indeed the Garda Confidential Line on 1800-666-111. All right, and we'll repeat that confidential telephone number a little bit later on in the programme. Uh, we go to Dundalk next, uh, where Garda are investigating a tragic fatal road traffic incident. 
That's uh, correct. Unfortunately, the Gardaí and Dundalk are investigating a fatal road traffic collision which occurred at Mournvale Estate in Dundalk on the 6th of November 2018 at 6.50pm. A pedestrian, a woman in her 70s, was fatally in- injured when she was involved in a collision with a truck. The woman was pronounced dead at the scene. Gardaí and Dundalk are appealing for witness- witnesses to contact them at Dundalk Garda Station on 042 or indeed, again, the Garda Confidential Line on 1800 OK, and uh, to Drogheda, a specific incident uh, that uh, you're hoping to get information on uh, from James Street. Uh, that's correct. Garda and Drogheda are investigating an incident which occurred on Sunday, the 11th of November, just gone at James Street, Drogheda, at 3pm. Garda were alerted to the incident by the fire brigade, where it was discovered that a device had been placed in the exhaust pipe of a vehicle at the location, the vehicle wasn't damaged and army explosive experts attended at the scene. Gardaí and Drogheda are appealing for any witnesses or persons with information to assist this investigation to contact them directly at 041-987-4200 or again the Garda Confidential Line on 1800-666-111. And uh, to another specific incident in Drogheda, one that occurred in the Moneymore housing estate. Again, the Gardaí and Drogheda are investigating an incident which occurred at Moneymore Drogheda on the 11th of November, just gone, Sunday, at 9pm. A report was received that a blue Reynold McGann was on fire and it was discovered that the vehicle contained gas cylinders. Again, the Guardian Drogheda are appealing for any witnesses or persons with any sort of information to assist the investigation to contact them directly on 041-987-4200 or again, the Garda Confidential Line, 1800-666-111. OK, yeah, to Navin and uh, a robbery uh, on somebody over the weekend. The Garda and Navin are investigating a robbery from the person which occurred on the 10th of November at 4.55pm at the Super Value Car Park in Beachmount, Navin. The injured party in this incident received a blow to his head and had his iPhone, iPhone mobile phone stolen during the course of the incident by an unknown male. Gardaí in Navan are investigating and are appealing for witnesses to contact them on 046-903-6100 or again the Garda Confidential Line on 1800-666-111. Some burglaries last week uh, that you're hoping to get information on uh, the first of these in Kells. Yeah, the Gardaí in Kells are investigating a burglary which occurred at 1.50am on the 7th of November at Gibney's Carnaross Kells County Mead. During the course of this incident, entry was gained to the premises through a front window which was damaged and a small quantity of tobacco and cash was stolen. Any persons with information to assist the Guardian Kells in their investigation are urged to contact them on 046 0820 or again the Garda Confidential Line on 1800 Okay, and the other burglary then uh, in Trim? Uh, finally, the Gardaí and Trim are investigating a bur- burglary which occurred on Friday the 9th of November at 3.10pm at the Stockhouse restaurant Finnegan's Way in Trim. During the course of this incident, the culprits g- gained access to a storeroom to the rear of the premises and a small quantity of alcohol was stolen. This incident occurred on a busy Friday afternoon and there may, be, may have been witnesses to the incident who are again urged to contact Trim Gardaí on 046 948 1540 or again, the Garda Confidential Line, 1800-666-111. All right, and we'll just uh, conclude uh, this week with uh, a warning about counterfeit notes. I think it's some weeks now since uh, on Garda Shia first issued a, a warning in respect of counterfeit notes, uh, but they continue to be in circulation, obviously. Yeah, that's correct, mm. Michael. Uh, I previously highlighted this, and again, the Garda in both Loud and Mead have requested that I highlight a number of recent incidents where counterfeit 50-euro notes have been distributed to businesses and retail premises. And we would urge that retail 
premises be vigilant in regards to these type of incidents and further advice can be obtained through www.centralbank.ie in regards to the checking of uh, counterfeit notes. Okay, and uh, fairly sophisticated notes uh, as well, I understand uh, that people need to be very vigilant. That, yeah. That's correct, and there's very detailed information on that, that website again, www.centralbank.ie. Okay, and to repeat uh, the confidential line uh, again for people who might have information about some of uh, the incidents that have been taking place. Yes, in we, we do mm-hmm. urge any members of the Drogheda community with information to assist mm-hmm. the Guardian Drogheda to contact the Guardian Confidential Line on an 1800 666 or the Guardi directly. Okay, Sergeant Tony Ward of Navangarda Station, and thank you indeed for coming in to us uh, this morning. We'll return to the Garda Crime Desk in around the same time on next Tuesday's programme. Now, before we leave you today, and in the short time we have left, let's go back to some of the many comments that have been coming to us. And uh, Marie, uh, you seem to have uh, plenty of people in touch with you there Absolutely, today. Michael. Catherine phoned in and says, listening to what's going on in Drogheda at the moment, I'm just wondering, Michael, is it that easy to get hold of guns? Where are they getting these guns from and how are they getting these guns? I feel that the town should be saturated with Gardaí until this is sorted, that you shouldn't just have the Gardaí around for a couple of days and then it kind of just fizzles out until it starts up again. I imagine the answer to that is yes and no. Yes, if you know the right people or the wrong people and no, if you're just one of the normal sods going about their business. Sean phoned in and said, Michael, the uh, residents of Moneymore are afraid of their lives, afraid to sleep in their beds at night because they don't know what is going to happen next, afraid to walk down the street because they are in fear. And your guest, uh, Councillor Calhan, is right. The majority are law-abiding, decent people who just want to get on with their lives and not be caught up in something like this. Well, of course, and uh, well worth repeating that uh, as well because uh, they really are in the line of fire. Uh, then moving then to your interview with um, Deputy Pathetobin just on rents. Uh, a listener got in touch to say, I agree with the deputy, there should be a rent freeze. Landlords are getting enough money. They shouldn't be allowed to just keep putting up their prices and not have any restriction. Michael, I own a house which I rent out, but I have not upped the price because I don't believe it's fair. There's an onus on landlords not to rip off tenants. I have good tenants who have been here for the past three years. Just because I could get more doesn't mean I should. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess there would be a, a temptation, if not uh, a feeling that you should increase the rent if you were told that you would be able to do it for two years. Uh, and therein lies one of the risks associated with rent freezes. Uh, Philip uh, from Kells uh, emailed us in or texted in and said, as a private property owner, you cannot tell me what to charge for rent. Mm. When I was taking half the rent price, the government mm. was not helping me out to pay the mortgage. The government is relying on us to provide homes for the people that they cannot provide for. Well, I guess that's the other argument that you don't uh, intrude in an open market. Uh, you don't uh, do anything uh, that will change uh, how the market operates, uh, but uh, at the same time, it's a dysfunctional market. Marion was also in touch on the same topic and Marion says that until the government starts building houses, rents are going to keep escalating unless something is done. She believes, as a resident of Meath, that Meath is suffering because of its close proximity to Dublin. She says you can look at it both ways, I suppose. It's handy if you're working in Dublin and you live in Meath. Mm. But on the other side of it, you now have people from Dublin coming to Meath to rent because they can't afford to rent in their own 
home mm-hmm. city and that's pricing locals out of the market. Yeah, well that's it, exactly. Uh, you're paying for the convenience of the proximity uh, to the city but uh, that's uh, the final word because it's all we have time for today, Marie. Thanks for that. Thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us. Now before we go, let me remind you that there'll be a podcast of today's programme available on our website lmfm.ie this afternoon. Thanks to Marie Kearns for producing, Maggie McGuire for researching and Chris Murray in the control tower. I'm Michael. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie